0: The following is a special presentation of Alpha Media. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines. In-depth interviews on topics of concern here in Portland and the Northwest. Now, here's your host, Brett Recamp. All right, thank you so much and welcome in, everybody. You have the 284th edition of Beyond the Headlines. A behind-the-scenes look at some of the stories making news here in the Pacific Northwest as we roll right on through this month of August 2019 on FM News 101. We're going to start things off this week on a really good note. School is about to start for so many kids. Unfortunately, a lot of the students in the Portland area can't afford to get new school clothes and supplies. Enter the Sunshine Division and the Portland Police Bureau. Their program, Shop with a Cop, allows for kids to get a little helping hand and pick up some new stuff at Fred Meyer. KXL's Rosemary Reynolds made her way to the Gateway Fred Meyer this week during Shop with a Cop to talk with some students and Portland police officers. I'll just let you listen to Rose here as she walks around the store
1: what are you shopping for today honey um shoes clothes and school supplies are you anxious to get back to school no not really but are you excited about getting new stuff yeah, yeah. what do you think your favorite thing is going to be i don't know
2: <laughs> no it isn't
1: okay so what's this like for you
3: this uh, it's a great experience for me. You know, I like working with the kids and in, uh, um, in a positive environment, and uh, trying to make a good impression on uh, on young kids. Yeah. yeah.
1: Are the kids into it?
3: They are. You know, I've done uh, I've done this several times, and uh, I've done the one. Uh, there's also one through Target that we do in the winter for Christmas, and for me, it's a positive experience.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Hi there. So you're trying on shoes, I see. So are these for gym class? What are they for? They're just to like for school and stuff yeah. Yeah, yeah so what other stuff are you shopping for um i have a li- you have a list what's on your list just kind of like, me. shirts and school stuff <laughs> uh or just like stuff to wear around the house or something good thank you cool. officer hi i'm hi. rosemary from kxl hi. tell me what
4: this means to you to be able to do this well, it, it just, I don't know, it, I mean, you see the smile on her face, I mean, it's just joy, it just brings joy to be able to, to do that for people. Uh, these children wouldn't have any other ability, probably, to do this, and, uh, and I just feel privileged to be able to participate in it.
1: do you feel about doing this?
2: It's great, unfortunately, I got three girls, so I have no idea what to buy. But we'll figure it out Uh, Do they have a list? Uh, Two do, one doesn't What's on the list? Uh, Let's see Pants, shirt, shoes Socks, sweaters, sweatshirts
1: That's a lot of stuff for somebody who doesn't Yeah, know,
2: I not, know yeah, is. leggings, but we found some leggings, so we'll see.
0: About 275 noisy smiling students were able to participate in Shop with the Cop. A few of the officers you heard there are Jim Townley and Captain Stephanie Lorenko. Just an awesome program. Thanks again to the Sunshine Division, the Portland Police Bureau, Fred Meyer. And everyone else who got involved there for helping those kids out and thanks to Rosemary as well. Oregon Fourth District Congressman Peter DeFazio might have a battle on his hands come 2020. Alec Scarlato is a Republican from Southern Oregon. He hopes to win his primary and earn the right to take on DeFazio. Now if that name sounds familiar, Scarlatto, it's because Alec is a real life hero and movie star. He was aboard the 1517 train to Paris and helped thwart a terrorist attack on that high-speed railway ride. Clint Eastwood made a movie out of it, and instead of hiring someone to play Alec and his two buddies who were on that train in real life, he used the actual soldiers. KXL's Jacob Dean got a chance to visit with Alec earlier this week.
2: Well, I'm running for Congress in the 4th Congressional District of Oregon against uh, Peter DeFazio. But first, of course, we have to win the primary.
3: Now, we, we last we talked, you were uh, in the race for the Douglas County Commissioner seat. Uh, came up a little short. Uh, what made you decide to do this again? Uh, well, <laughs>
2: honestly, I, I had to talk to a lot of people about it. It wasn't something I, you know, had my heart set on. I didn't, you know, set out to be a politician, you know. It's not what I dreamed of doing when I was a little kid growing up. I I lost the commissioner race um, against another Republican, but one thing we learned in that race was that I do well with the groups of people that Republicans traditionally don't do well, such as women's and moderates, at least in the 4th Congressional District. So having that conversation with some people who were trying to talk me into running, that kind of was one of the things that helped change my mind and think that this was possible because we have a guy that runs every year. I think there's going to be a six-time running and winning the primary, and he always loses against Peter DeFazio, and that's Art Robinson. So we first have to beat him in the primary, and assuming we beat him, I really do like our chances against DeFazio, um, just from the fact of how well we're going to do with fundraising and how well we can appeal to moderates that traditionally Republicans haven't.
3: I remember about ten years ago, Art Robinson had made the news. Something about he'd wanted to put like nuclear waste inside of uh, insulation for homes or something wild like that. I might be mis uh, re- uh, misrecalling that, but um, it, it's. i found it interesting that uh, he continues to to win that primary and go up to De against DeFazio, and DeFazio has held that seat seems like forever now. Kind of, what's the strategy here? How are you gonna uh, win this time?
2: Well, I mean, like I said, it's a totally different race comparing the two. is kind of like apples and oranges, but we are definitely going to appeal more to moderates. I mean, granted, we, like I said, we still do have to win the primary against Art Robinson, and I think that's doable because, frankly, people are just kind of tired of him. They want an alternative. They, I mean, Art Robinson's probably the best thing for Peter DeFazio because DeFazio knows he can beat him by 10 points every time. So I think the people here are just tired of Art Robinson running, and I think they're looking for a viable alternative.
3: In your new uh, campaign ad that just uh, got posted on Facebook's where I found it, you talk a little bit about the the Oregon values that that you hold, and that's going to help you win this. Tell us a little bit about those, Alex. What are the uh, the Oregon values that you stand for?
2: Well, mostly just being in touch with the people. I mean, I think Peter DeFazio has kind of gotten out of touch with the people in the district. He's just gotten way too socialist in the last couple of years. I mean, he used to be considered kind of a moderate Democrat, and that's what people here like to see. He he used to be considered pro-timber, pro-gun Democrat, and he's not anymore, and that's something that, I mean, people just want to see in this district. I mean, the forest fires every summer destroying thousands of acres of our natural resources and livelihood. People are just tired of it.
3: Are you really trying to kind of rally the, uh, the folks in, in rural Oregon behind you?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I went to the the timber unity rally in Salem, actually. And I spoke there and it was, I mean, it was fantastic because I mean, all those people would have been absolutely destroyed if HB 2020 passed. And I mean, I don't believe cap and trade is a good policy at all for Oregon. Great to see people passionate about their, the issues that they believe in, because I feel like we don't see that very often anymore. Um, (laughs) especially on the Republican side, they don't really, Republicans don't really hold rallies that often. And we've been seeing everybody actually stand up for what they believe and stand up for their livelihoods is a great thing because, I mean, that would have just destroyed the timber industry worse than it's, worse than it's already been. And I just think that there's a lot of room for compromise with people that want to protect the environment and not destroying people in southern Oregon's livelihoods, which is the timber industry. And, I mean, I think these forest fires are a great way to force us to kind of have that conversation because nobody wants to see these forest fires. I mean, it's burning up the livelihood of loggers every year. And from an environmentalist standpoint, it's dumping tons and tons of carbon into the atmosphere every year. And yet here we are with probably six, seven years straight of huge forest fires and nobody's come up with a viable
3: solution yet. Yeah, absolutely. What other issues do you, do you want uh, Oregon voters and, and potential uh, um, constituents to know th- that you stand for that might help you uh, do well in this election?
2: I'm not a big believer in government. I think that free enterprise can always do things better than the government. And I consider myself more of a libertarian Republican. I'm very pro-Second Amendment, which Peter DeFazio is no longer, unfortunately. I mean my life experiences, things I've done, people I've met. Um, I just believe every person has a right to defend themselves and law enforcement as good as they are can't be everywhere all the time and I mean we learn that lesson time and time again and it's just one of my more passionate issues of the second amendment in the timber industry especially now going into the future I think you're going to see a lot of a lot more issues with freedom of speech going on on the internet with, you know, Facebook and Google and things of that nature, and um, my biggest passion is really about the economy. I wouldn't even care so much about the timber industry if Southern Oregon's economy was strong, but it's not. I mean, the reason most of these towns in Southwestern Oregon exist is for the timber industry, so without the timber industry, <clears throat> they have no reason to exist, and now we're on to the second, and even third generation of people that have grown up here without a successful timber industry. And they can't find jobs, drug use is high, homelessness is high, child abuse is high. And I mean, I don't want to blame that all on the lack of a timber industry, because it's not, but it is definitely part of it. And that's, I just want to see Southwestern Oregon revitalized and kind of back to its glory days, more or less. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mean, I think it was the the Dayton, Ohio shooting. Police responded within like a minute or a minute and 30 seconds, and the shooter was still able to shoot like 20 people. That's a great job on law enforcement's part, but it just goes to show that they they can't be everywhere. They can't do everything. They're not supermen. They're just regular people like everybody else. So why would we not want to give them as much help as possible?
3: Anything else I'm forgetting to ask or forgetting to mention uh, this go around that you'd want to tell uh, listeners, you want to tell uh, Oregonians?
2: I would just say we're very excited for the opportunity and it's an honor. And uh, if anybody would like to learn more or donate, you can go to alexfororegon.com.
0: And there is Alec Scarlato, a soldier, a hero, a movie star, and now a candidate for Congress. Our thanks to Alec and to Jacob. Again, his website is AlecForOregon.com. You're listening to the 284th edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Brett Recamp. If you happen to be a golfer like me or like KXL's Pat Boyle, then you're probably going to love this next interview. By the way, Pat and I sometimes golf together, which is cool. And there's no chance we are as good as Pat's guest, I'll tell you that. Pat got a chance to visit in studio this week with LPGA golfer Marina Alex, a 29-year-old from Vanderbilt who just happens to be the defending champion of the Portland Cambia Classic coming up this week at Columbia Edgewater.
4: Okay, you are the reigning champ of the LPGA Cambia Portland Classic. Um, When did you know you had it in the bag? I didn't. Um, This is a funny, this is actually
5: kind of a funny story, and... Everyone will say that I'm lying, truthfully, Um, but I didn't check the leaderboard at all on Sunday. So when I got to 18, um, I'd hit a pretty bad drive, like way right. And I was nervous. I kind of, in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, you know, you've played great all day. There's definitely a chance. But I had no idea in terms of shots, like where I stood relative to everyone else. So I'm thinking okay let's try and get one more birdie um you know really just put together like an unbelievable round and see if it's good enough so hit a bad drive um it was kind of like the only time of the day that I I think I maybe strayed a little bit from being really focused on process and one shot at a time and at, and at that point I maybe was thinking about the result instead of just playing golf so get find my ball we're over there under the trees and I'm, like, ready to, I'm not trying to hit a hero shot, but I'm ready to, like, try and advance it further down to where I would have, you know, a wedge in my hand, and my caddy, Travis, was like, no, 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 like, let's just chip it right over here, you know, like, we're just gonna go directly to the left, and he's like, you'll have 150 in, like, it's not a big deal, and I'm like, yeah, but if we really want to make a par, like, I feel like we need to, like, get ourselves further down. So I have maybe, like, 100, you know, something where I really feel like I can hit it in there tight. Um, You know, 150 over water, like, I'm probably not going to get it super close. And he's like, no, trust me. Like, it's fine. (laughs) Just go left. So at that point, I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe, like, things are different than I'm thinking in my head. So, okay, we chip out, hit it onto the green or maybe just the back edge. And I'm like, okay, Travis, what's going on? Because I need to know. And he's like, "Well, you have a four-shot lead." And I'm just like oh, the relief. I think it was relief and just happiness. And then I was like, "Okay, how do we do this?" <laughs> so I, I asked him. I was like, "You need to. You need to help me. You need to like walk me through this and just get me uh, get the ball. Help me get the ball in the hole." Because um, I was at that point just pretty overwhelmed.
4: Oh, I bet so. Yeah. And then this year, does it make it harder? having that weight on your shoulders or easier because you've done it? I don't know. Uh,
5: This is uncharted territory for me, so I actually, I don't know. It could be, it could be really hard um, or it could be not that bad. Um, Some people have great success defending uh, where they, you know, win again or they have a really good showing, uh, may not, but, and because they love the course and they just, they play well there and, and, you know, um, it suits them. And then some people struggle, so I think I'm just going to go out there and, and try not to put a lot of pressure on myself and see what happens. Um, I love the course so much, so I want to play well just because I love playing out here and I love Portland. Um, so if this if the same result happens, that would be unbelievable. Um, but just to have a good week is is probably the most important thing to me.
4: Have you had a chance at all to experience Portland? Do you have a favorite thing that you've discovered?
5: Um I was talking a little bit about this earlier The you know the first few years that I was here that I've been here um I've tried to do as much as I can you know I went to Mount Hood one year um I've been to Multnomah Falls uh did like a random hike somewhere in like off the Columbia River I- I've done a, a few cool things like from a nature aspect uh, because there's just so much here and it's beautiful. Um, I actually have also been to the coast. I I drove out one year and um, checked out, uh, I can't remember exactly what part I was at, but stunning, really breathtaking. Um, And then I lately have been not doing as much of that, um, but I've been to a ton of great restaurants and cool areas and coffee shops. It's just like such a unique city. You, You get a lot of you get a lot of, like, city life, obviously, with with dining and, you know, just a good vibe. But then you also have, you know, within 20 minutes to an hour of driving, you have these, like, unbelievably scenic areas. So it's a really awesome mix of both just the beauty of our country and then also
4: being in a city. What are you most excited about? You've been selected for the Solheim team. Yep. Um, how excited are you and what are you looking forward to the most? Um... I'm excited. I'm nervous.
5: You know, it's going to be my first time playing and first time experiences are really great. And um, I just, I haven't really played much team. Like I I was on a college golf team, obviously, but it's just different. Like you're not really playing with a partner. Um, You know, in college, you each play your own score, 18 holes, and then you just combine the scores. But um, I'm excited to be traveling with girls and just like having that kind of camaraderie. Uh, I played the team event this year with Brittany Lang, and it was a really awesome experience. Uh, she's fantastic. I loved it, and I, I think I'm really like looking forward to just like having a different golf experience because it's going to be unlike anything I've ever done before.
4: Is there any Julie Inkster's the captain? Mm-hmm. Is there anyone you say Julie? I think I'd pair well with so and so. I don't know. Um, I you know she
5: tries to pair us I think with personality types like so she's made us take some tests and I think she tries to make sure that we're playing with people that are kind of on the same personality level so you don't have too much like friction or maybe you know you just don't help each other out and I'm kind of like a floater I think I could kind of go one way or the other in terms of being introverted or extroverted so um, I don't really know who I'm who I think I would play I'm hopeful to say I could play with just about anyone um but it'll depend I I mean she's got a ton of experience like so much I trust that she just put me with someone who is right for me (laughs) and I'll just go out and play golf
4: (laughs) did she have you guys do the Myers-Briggs or what I I think
5: so um I I don't remember which one it was to be honest uh but they asked you a ton of questions and I and, and it's smart it just helps her kind of figure out who each of us are and, um, I, you know, it's it's worked for her in the past. So, like I said, I'm just going to trust the captain.
4: Whatever I'm told to do, that's what I'm going to do. Now, I was told that you're a huge Game of Thrones fan. I am. Um, I'll ask you the first question. What did you think about the way it ended?
5: Oh, I was so
4: bitter. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> I was really unhappy. Um, I think that... I, don't know there was just too much that they just put together too quickly it well they had a ton of time I don't think it was from that aspect I just think maybe it actually could have spanned another season I think they could have just slowed it down again to like to what everyone was accustomed to in terms of like plot development and storyline and um especially character development because you could see how things went the way they did like but if they had just put more in-depth parts to it, I think people would have appreciated the ending more.
4: Now, did you watch it in real time, or did you have to avoid looking at No, uh, I tried
5: to start um, because I wanted to just sit down and watch all of it at once.
4: <laughs> that would be epic. Oh, I've done it before. Like, I did it with
5: uh, the previous season, so what was it, S- the second half of season seven or or whatever it was. I just didn't watch anything. And honestly, it wasn't getting quite as much hype on social media like as this season. It was just, you couldn't. There was just no way to not watch it in real time because there's too many spoilers on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. So if you just didn't sit down and watch it, you were going to know what was going on without watching, which is the worst. So I, I just had to bite the bullet and do it. And I don't know. It just left me a little, I don't know, unnerved, I guess.
4: Yeah, I um, one time I thought I was sending a nice article to my husband. I just forwarded it to him about Game of Thrones, and I hadn't read it all the way through, and there was a spoiler. So he oh, goes, thanks. And then I said, okay, go ahead and tell me what it was, and then we'll both know. But yeah. I was like, whoops. Didn't yeah. <laughs> so did you have a favorite character? Um, I ended up,
5: like, a lot of the characters were great. Um, I really liked Sansa's character when it was all said and done. Um, Arya's amazing. I mean, she's just, like, so cool. Um, But, and... I guess Tyrion's character too. It's just, I don't know, I I wasn't like really
4: in love with how they ended it. That's a diplomatic way of putting it. Yeah. And did you, were you on Team Jamie at the end or did you? Kind of. I, I, I've i
5: like, I really, I've really liked his character from day one. I just think he's probably one of the most complicated characters in the show. Um, You get this like, oh, I like him. Oh, I hate him. Oh, I like him. Oh, I hate him. And he's such a great actor to make you like, Feel all those different things from you know season one through eight. I mean, it's going on ten years of like this. I don't know if I like you or if I dislike you as a character. Um. So, I, I think I'm always on team Jamie, kind of in a weird way.
4: I know he kind of grows on you. Yeah, he does. Then we'll switch it back to golf for me. Okay. Minute. Um. So leave we civilians who struggle with our game. Yeah. Uh. Leave us with a swing thought that might help us next time we're out on the course. Um. I guess,
5: like, tempo is probably the easiest thing to focus on, and it's not really a technical swing thought. Um, you just kind of really want to feel like you're taking your time to get to your backswing, and then from there, you can really feel like you can accelerate into your into your through swing. I think when you rush your backswing, it's hard to get your body um, to do the right things in the follow-through and, and get to a good impact position, but instead of, like, Thinking about impact, just really think about taking your time
4: in the first, like, second of your swing. Okay, I'll do that next time and take strokes off my game, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, nice talking to you. Thank you, and good luck Thanks out so there. much.
0: That was cool. I know my golfing buddy, Pat Boyle, enjoyed that interview, and so did I. That's LPGA golfer Marina Alex. Someone to root for now at the Portland Cambia Classic and Columbia Edgewater. The very best lady golfers in the world will tee it up. That starts August 29th. We started our show this week with a very cool story from KXL's Rosemary Reynolds, and we will end it with Rose as well. Oregon now has its first recovery high school, six months in the making. The Harmony Academy campus is in Lake Oswego. And the plan there is to welcome students from all over the Portland area who are fighting addictions. Principal Sharon Martin speaking with KXL's Rosemary Reynolds.
1: What does this mean to you, getting this off the ground this school year?
6: I am I'm just over the moon excited about this. I cannot wait to greet the kids on September 3rd and develop this program with them and watch them recover
1: and watch the light come back on in their eyes. How um, do families and students register to even come here? What do they need to do? That's a great
6: question. So the first step is to just call the school and set up an interview with me. And what we do at that interview is I just ask the student a number of questions about their goals and what brought them here. And the thing that I'm looking for in that interview is to see if a student really wants to come here. And I understand that people move in and out of the stages of willingness, stages of change as they call them. And so a student for example, a student shared with me that they weren't sure that they wanted to be clean, clean. And so we got to talk that out. What does that mean? What are you afraid of? And, and that's a student that can come here. That's, that's who this school is designed for. And I think it's having those open conversations um, and setting off the inner. So at the interview, we're establishing that we're going to be able to be honest with each other um, because honesty is a foundation of recovery. And so after that, or at that interview actually, um, we decide if we think it's a good idea, and at that point there's an enrollment paper, there's an enrollment packet just like at any other school, Um, and then students are enrolled. And unlike most schools, students can enroll throughout the um, school year. So there's students that are in treatment right now that are planning on coming when they get out, and um, there's students that we haven't met yet that we'll meet
1: as the year goes on. Do you know uh, to date? Do you know how many students will be attending when school starts in September?
6: Um, right now, we have ten firm enrolled students, and so I expect that we're going to be starting with ten to fifteen students on September third, based on interviews that are coming up. And
1: yeah, and as the word spreads, this yeah. There'll be more.
6: Yeah, and we actually had, we have an open house uh, for interested families this weekend um, on Saturday. At What time? Twelve to
1: two. Okay. Do they have to make an appointment, or can they nope, just come? No, they can just they can just come. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, because that might be an encouragement. <laughs> so this is special to you because you said you had been in recovery yourself. I
6: am in recovery. Yeah, and and I started using when I was in high school, and just I went to my own expulsion hearing and. You know, and I was a great student. I mean, I was a really strong. I was really strong academically, and I was just so disconnected. Um, I was just so disconnected, and I didn't know how to live life. I felt like other people had an instruction book, and I didn't know how to do it. And so it wasn't until I got into recovery that I really figured out how to live in this world. And you know, my motivator for getting into recovery was that I wanted to be an educator. I wanted to make a difference in young people's lives. Did you really think you were going to do it this way? I didn't know that this was a possibility. This is, like, the most exciting thing that could possibly happen with my career. I worked in alternative schools, and that's exciting, but we always just kind of ignore that the kids are on drugs. We just kind of ignore it. You know, we don't get to actually talk about it and say, hey, what's going on with you? How can we change this for you?
1: Is there anything else... you want to mention, I think Tony mentioned more about, I, I asked him different questions. Uh-huh. I asked you the basics about coming to school here. Is there something else I should mention?
6: Um, I think one of the aspects of the program that's, that's unique compared to other school programs or other alternative school programs is that um, we have a recovery coach is one of the positions on staff. And that's a really cool thing because that's somebody that's, that's in recovery that um, understands how to coach kids to uh, to move through the process. And it's somebody that's kinda, um, he's here to make sure that students don't have any barriers to accessing the academic program during the day. And so I think that's a really important and strong aspect of the program. Um, because we we wanna make sure that kids can get a robust education. And that nobody is um, cutting the expectations for them because they feel bad for them or because they're worried about them. And so we want to—we have the recovery coach there to make sure that they have those supports and that somebody's connecting them to supports outside of the school day. But that when they're here, they're learning in every way.
1: It—it it just seems so unusual to me, and it's such a—I uh, think—a a great thing at the same time for someone to say. Like Riley said in the video, I feel like getting high. Right. And yet you can go to a teacher or a principal and say that right. and have that be okay. Absolutely.
6: Because you, you can't get help if you don't say what you need help with. And so um, other people can be your eyes and ears in a setting like that where they can say, hey, every time you go and visit your ex-girlfriend, you come to school and say you feel like getting high. Or every time, you know, every time you go and visit your mom... You relapse. Like, what can we do to help you? Do you need to bring somebody with you? Like, how do we... Because other people can notice things about you that you might not notice in recovery. So I think that's, that's kind of the brilliance of it. And Riley speaks about that a lot. Is, you know, people would call you on things. You know, he, he went to Archway and he said people would call you on things and, 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 in an, and in a loving way and say, hey, we're noticing this about you. You need to get help and then be there to help you. So... I think it's a beautiful thing.
0: That really does sound like a beautiful thing. Congrats to the Harmony Academy and to Principal Sharon Martin. And thanks once more to Rosemary. Again, the Harmony Academy opens its doors for their school year in less than two weeks. We wish them great success as those young people learn and grow. You have been listening to Beyond the Headlines, a behind-the-scenes look at some of this week's stories. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brett Recamp. And if you missed anything, the podcast is up right now at KXL.com. And you can also download the show on iTunes or Google Play. Just look for Beyond the Headlines. KXL, now 284 shows to choose from. I'm Brett Recamp on FM News 101. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Headlines, in-depth interviews on topics of concern here in Portland and the Northwest. This has been a special presentation of Alpha Media.